So, welcome to the Dev Radio Podcast. Today we're doing a special movie business episode and we're covering Ocean's Eleven, the 2001 heist film, which I thoroughly remember as a young kid. And today we have Andrew and Rex here to talk about the movie and what sort of business analogs we can draw from that movie to running a business. Andrew Rex, what are your thoughts on the actual film before we dive into the business side? I uh, was watching it again yesterday because I haven't seen it for about 10 years, but I think... <laughs> The the whole obviously the, the story the ending and how they um, positioned it and manage it was it was a clever movie the way the it ended but I think the the guts of it was how they planned it all I found that quite fascinating and how they went to the finite detail of watching everything through the casino their reconnaissance piece how much effort they put into that um, that was probably my biggest takeaway when I watched it from the frame and the lens of how it might impact business. So, yeah, that's what I got out of it when I rewatched it yesterday. Yeah, I think it was 58 minutes. I looked at the time. I paused it to see when the actual heist actually starts. So in an hour and 52-minute movie, it starts at 58-minute mark. And the heist like ends okay. like 10, 15 minutes before the end of that time anyway. It's not very a lot of time spent in that part of the execution. No, it's well planned right and yeah. it's yeah something we can all learn how do we plan how do we um, pull things together how do we think about what we're actioning and delivering rather than just jumping straight in like the guys that come out of the movie um through the casino grabs the box he came he grabbed they conquered runs the out the door three. gets shot in the back yeah the first three that are compared um yeah so those guys there um Obviously, didn't think through much. They just thought, at the spur of the moment, there's no planning. Let's just do it. Um, where these guys spent, brought, what, 11 people together, and they were questioning how many more to bring in. The last guy, forget his name, um, Matt Damon, though. He was the last one of the... You think we need one more? Do we need one more? They'll talk Yeah, that was, the bit, that was one of the funniest yeah. scenes. We need one yeah. more? You yeah. think we need another one? No talking. <laughs> no talking. Let's <laughs> understand each other. All right, we'll get one more. Rex, what do you remember? Sure. Like, what was your favourite part or what do you remember about the movie? To be honest, I don't think George Clooney really ticks the boxes for me. Um, but <laughs> if you were to kind so of so. narrow it down, uh, I guess the relationship between Danny and Rusty, so uh, George Clooney and Brad Pitt, where it, they, they pretty much do the lap, bring all the team together, but find out each one of the different team members and each one of their strengths. So mm-hmm. I find that, really, that bit really quite interesting. And then to, to Andrew's point about all of the planning and the reconnaissance that kind of went into it. But the, I think in particular, uh, the relationships that both Danny and Rusty have with each of the team members, I think is quite unique. And you can kind of draw some parallels between the different levels of management between them. So where you've kind of got Rusty, who's the, the kind of the go-to kind of guy for everybody. He's always there for everyone. And then you've kind of got um, Danny, George Clooney, with the high level vision of everything and pulling that plan together and between the two of them really work it out well. This is probably the least accessible vault ever designed. Yep. You said yeah. three casinos? I like the the reveal over the course of the heist towards the end when he was on the phone with I can't remember the guy at the casino. I watched that yesterday. The guy who owns the casino. Benedict. Benedict, that's it. Terry. When Rusty's on Terry the phone Benedict. To, yeah, when yeah. Rusty's on the phone to him and it's alright, we can either blow up half the cash or take half. No, you're gonna carry it out for us. Why would I do that? And then he's like, they start doing the reveal as they go and the SWAT team comes in. And when you know what happens in the story, if you actually listen to the SWAT calls, you know it's their voices. So if you're yeah, paying it's attention, it's them talking, but you don't realize that yeah, the first time you've ever watched talking. it. So the reveal is a proper reveal. No. But there is little hints along the way. Like that white van and at the airport is there at, when they're building the vault 
at the start, so they give you little hints along the way, but that was the way they did the reveal was good. And he's like, we need to build a replica of the vault. And he's like, for training. He's like, something like that. He didn't tell you, say it was yes. for training or to make the video. Yeah. But then, yeah, when yeah. I first put this down as an article, it was, how does it tie to business? And then there's all, right, there's all these different people coming together. How does he bring them together to make a successful team and deliver on their outcome, which is robbing a bank? And then yeah. it was around the thing, all right, you need one of each of these kind of people. Some of them are a bit of a stretch to write about. But I, th- I think I made it work. Yeah. I think, look, it was the team, right? Yeah, bringing a, a good quality team together. And what made it work was everyone that came on the journey, no matter what their role was, small, big, or indifferent, because everyone had bigger, some people had bigger roles than others, right? Um, some were maybe really focusing on the reconnaissance. Um, I don't remember the two guys. Um, Virgil and Turk, the two, the two clowns, brothers. I will refer to them as. They're the, they're the two brothers, Virgil and Turk, there you go. They didn't have a, a monster role, but they were, yeah. They, they were, were pivotal to it, and all, running, though. Everyone had, yes, well, with the box and everything as it comes in, they pushed the... Um, I don't know his name, mate. This, we should have prepared with the name. Yeah. Oh, I've got the yen. I've got the list box. open here on, my, on the side of my screen. Yen screens. in the box. A lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. So yen in the box. What do we look like? A couple of Packerwood jackasses or something? Amazing. They're all, they're all, everyone had their role, but everyone had an equal share in the role. And that's something you think of if you're building a startup and a team, how do you position the way you operate it? Because generally there's a, there's a visionary. Um and what I've seen over the journey is some startups try to hold on to all equity and not give up a cent um, and not share any of the pie. Others open up and they, they bring a lot of team on the journey and they give up a lot of equity to get good people on a team. Um, and I think in the end, a, a good team will help you drive the product a lot further and a business a lot further than uh, one or two people at the top that are generally controlling everything yeah, and, and just running on an employment sort of um, model. And that was Danny in the movie. Nice. Splitting the $163 million 11 ways. Yeah. He could have said, I'm going to take half and you guys share the rest. Like, why? he's the one that had the plan, but he saw that he needed everyone in the team to get the job done. Um, and I think when we think of how you operate a startup, it's it's a collaborative model. It's You need a lot of skill sets. And in any business, if you're looking to start, you need a lot of people, a lot of skill sets, and different variants of skill sets. So it's important to understand who can help you move in the direction you want, who's going to really add value, because you don't want passengers, really, in, a, in the world of startup and small business. Um, so and then how do you keep to engage them? Um, are they on the, the same goal, same trajectory, same vision as you? That's probably the biggest things that I got out of it in terms of some of the learning that we've had being involved in startups. I think once you kind of bring all of that team together and all of those unique qualities that you mentioned before, things about really understanding what the roles and responsibilities of each one is and making sure that they're clear so everybody knows how to contribute, why they're contributing as well. I think that's really quite important because it's one to have all these really skilled people, but if there's no one there that really clearly defines what they need to do, then it can make things really quite difficult or people might be stepping on each other's toes and that type of thing. Yeah, or things don't get done because everyone assumes someone else will do it as well. There's the other way of not having accountability. Yeah, correct. Clear accountability across the team is very important. So we've talked about Danny, the visionary startup founder, brings the team together, has the vision, wants to drive the direction, knows the outcome and goals, and then he knows he needs to bring the team around him. So it's his Ocean's Eleven, but it's his really it's 10. He's the 11th person. The title's a bit odd there, but first person he does bring back on is Rusty, which is Brad Pitt's character. I see him as like the right-hand man. 
he's the one who does the day-to-day while Danny does the top-level thinking. So when they're planning the whole heist, you don't really see Danny involved in that. You see Rusty a lot more. I guess there's that split between working in the business and on the business, and that's where the difference is. Like Danny's very much on the business and, and Rusty's in the business. Yeah. Oh, you, you need both of those in a business because we've seen it before where um, you might have a visionary, but they don't have people to execute and they, they sort of flounder away. Um, but then if you have just someone in operations and there's no vision, direction or thinking about strategy, you can just get stuck in day to day and they're not really driving the business forward or thinking about how you might move it forward. So they're both pivotal seats in the early stage of any business. Another funny part of the film is when Danny walks up to Rust and he's like, we're going to need a team for this. He's like, yeah, we're going to need a Shirley Temple, three of these, four of these other ones, two of these, one of them, and the biggest of something else. is just like making up words. You've got no idea what he's talking about. A dozen about. guys doing a combination of cons. What do you think? Well, off the top of my head, I'd say you're looking at a Boski, a Jim Brown, uh, a Miss Daisy, two Jethros, and Leon Spinks. Not to mention the biggest Ella Fitzgerald ever. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. I don't remember that scene. <laughs> and then, so in, I'm just looking at my article as we're going, just got all the characters there. I think I've got them in order of how they were recruited, so we can just keep going through that. So the next is Ruben. I know more about casino security than any man alive. I invented it, and it cannot be beaten. They got cameras. They got watches. Ruben is the equivalent of a investor in the business. He's the one who puts up the cash that bankrolls them to then be able to run the heist and do everything so yeah he's the equivalent of an investor in the business as well you see in that movie he's doing it in spite because he wants to get back at the guy but a normal investor will do it for a return on his investment it's all in spite he was not interested at all (laughs) until uh terry benedict's name was mentioned uh or his casinos then he was uh, on board so yeah yeah, sometimes and that's that's a bit of a lesson there um if you're going to find an investor sometimes it's not just about the money for them there might be a passion or an area of focus or something that they know. Um, so getting an investor that's got some buy-in, I think it's it's important. It's not just about money in the end. You want people that are going to add value um, and have some sort of traction to the idea, love what you're about, um, and keen to be involved in the project. If you just take money for money's sake, um, yeah, it can be a little bit challenging because you just um, end up reporting to your capital partners and it's all about dollars and cents. So, yeah. That's where I think there's a bit of value in that lesson. And I think in that, I think that scene where they first went to, to Ruben's house, they're all sitting around having brunch together. And you can see Ruben asking all of the different clarifying questions of Danny and Rusty. Which casinos did you geniuses pick to rob? So it was, it was important to make sure that Danny and Rusty were both on the same page in terms of what they were looking to achieve. So they could make sure that they could pretty much sell that vision to Ruben, although in the end it wasn't quite... The reason why it was a particular different reason, but they were able to win him over. Yeah, they could communicate the same message as to why, what they were going to do, pretending that they hadn't thought of stuff, just to go, oh, yeah, okay, you know more. But it was, yeah, finding the right person to go along in the journey (laughs) with them initially to then get everything else on the ball rolling. Then next I've got Frank. So he was the blackjack dealer, the late Bernie Mac. Uh, The inside man. Yeah, the inside inside man. man. So I've worded him as... He's the inside man in the casino, but he's more of the, within a business, is your person with domain knowledge. 
to your inside man in the industry. So as a founder, you're either going to be part of a Danny and part of a Frank, the inside man leaving an industry because you know something and you know a better way to do it, or you've got an idea because you've been a customer and then you have to try and onboard a Frank, someone with inside knowledge who gets you the ins and outs and the politics of that industry to then break into it. I think there's, a, there's always another spin on that one too, Anth. Yeah. And being around a few startups. An inside man can also be a small advisor slash investor that's aligned yeah. to a business that you want as a customer. Um, seen this before where you, they might be in a big business operating that. Um, you you go attract them as an advisor um, and then you're looking to get into that business and maybe have a customer or a potential buyout opportunity. So that might be another way for a Frank to be above and beyond what Frank does in the movie. But if someone's going to think about inside man, there's a few ways you could do that, especially if they're the domain expert already. They might not need a Frank. But yeah, yeah, that's another way you could think of a Frank in the context of startups. He's a bit of comedy support as well in the movie. When there's that role when he's pretending yeah, to get fired. <laughs> Excuse me? You heard what I said. Black man can't earn a decent wage in this state. That is absolutely like you going to try to throw me sir. out on the street? No, no, I'm trying to do my job, yeah, sir. Do your job. What you want from me, man? Want me to get on the table and dance? You like me to shine your shoes? Want me to smile at you? But you definitely won't let me deal the cars. You might as well call it White Jack. The great scene, yeah, where they get the card off um, Terry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Nevada Gaming Commission is... Yeah. Next up is probably my favorite character in the movie is a basher, mm-hmm. the uh, demolitions expert, and the guy who finds the EMB. <laughs> Basher's the pommy bloke, yeah. Pommy, the yeah, pommy Cockney guy, accent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the quote yeah, I don't know. I always it? remember is uh, yeah. "We're in Barney. What Barney trouble?" And then I don't understand. He's talking about him in so. trouble. So unless we intend to do this job in Reno, we're in Barney. Barney rubble, trouble. Uh, Barney Rubble as in trouble because <laughs> yeah. the way the, the Cockney slang yeah. slang works but yeah he's he's the the technical expert so he would be your lead engineer kind of person in a normal business if you're building a tech product or IT kind of product very technical speaks very technically people don't understand him which can be used to intimidate people in meetings yeah. which we've seen before we're in deep shit that poxy demo crew haven't used the coaxial inch to back the main line have they They've only nosed up the mainframe couplet, nosed it right up. Do you understand any of this? I'll explain later. Listen, they're so pony that they've gone and blown the backup grid one by one, like dominoes. Basher, what happened? But generally, they're not the, they're the, like domain experts, they're the technical experts in being able to deliver what you need to deliver. Also, Simon is a bit of an ideas guy, right? When there was a yeah. challenge or a problem that got thrown up, he came up with other concepts and ideas just because of the background of knowledge that he had. We could use so a pinch. It was a bit beyond that, so just not technical. There's the other guy that's technical too, the one um, yeah, um, that was Caldwell. on the phone. Uh, his name? Caldwell? Livingston, sorry. Huh? Caldwell. So he had a bit of technical capability. Livingston, yeah. yeah. Livingston. Livingston. So Livingston was, yeah, well, he was technical too, but I think this guy was a bit more ideas, how do we solve problems? That's what mm-hmm. I saw in him too, because... The pinch when it comes to the story that was a concept he came up with based on his knowledge because they had a problem with the um, turning off the switchboard or something. Yeah, the electronics, the, the electricity in the whole casino. city. Yeah, yeah, that was the pinch piece that he came up with. Yeah, I just find him funny because of the accent and the way he tries to talk in that Cockney is always funny. Yeah, he was hilarious in the movie. <laughs> um, then I've got the two brothers, so Virgil and Turk. Um, the way I've worded them is they're your people who do the business as usual the BAU stuff or your grunt work so they just get on with the job do what's been what's asked of them and just make sure it gets done they're the ones doing all the little yep. things that don't need a specialty to, to do besides just fighting with each other 
Yeah. But I think those kinds of roles are largely overlooked a lot of the time. Like business yeah. as usual, you kind of just sweep it under the rug, right? But at the end of the day, without those business as usual resources, you know, you're pretty much dead in the water. I agree. Yep. You can't have that management layer. Yeah, you can't be top of here. Especially as a startup, startup, you need everyone getting their hands dirty. Yeah. yeah. And Ocean's Eleven, everyone gets their hands dirty in some way. No one's just um, sitting around doing nothing. So, yeah, it's yeah. you need those people. And they also have that, that health, I wouldn't say healthy, healthy relationship or that, that competition between the two of them. I think having a level of competition is important yeah. with a small yeah. team as well. So being able to... to feed off each other's energies and also, you know, push each other along and, and challenge everybody to try and, you know, deliver things better or faster. Yeah, and another fun fact about them too, there's only one scene in the entire movie where they're not together. That's at the end when they're driving the van with all the pamphlets that blows up. You see one of them without the other. Otherwise, every time you see them, they're together. <laughs> Just a little interesting fact about them. And then next I've got uh, Livingston. So he's the other technical expert. But I've... I've worded him as he's the technical implementer. So he knows how to make things yes. happen. Where yeah. Bash is the technical expert. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, and ideas, conceptual architecture. Yeah, he's the yeah. Livingston has the technical ability to make things happen, where Bash is the has enough technical ability to do that and come up with other things that then this guy would go ahead and do normally I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So more the architecture, conceptual ideas is Livingston and no, yeah. Basher, sorry. And then Livingston is the, like a lead engineer or something. Yeah, so I've said team, he's right? like the, you um, would work with, a, a, you would need a Livingston on your team or you can work with a team of Livingstons by going to like a consulting agency and a development team and getting a team of them on board mm-hmm. to help deliver your product because you need the technical yeah. proficiency to be able to do something. And then the, the lead of those people would be your Basher, if that makes sense. Got it, yeah. In the context of the, you need both. I think from an, an ideas and a directional perspective, you, everyone needs a basher. Um, if you don't have one, you can end up building product that's maybe overcomplicated or haven't thought through ways to get there a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you've, you've got someone in the team like that, it enables you to move faster, pivot quickly, um, come up with concepts, ideas, how we might deliver things, will we use like an off-shelf solution or some open source stuff to get there a bit quicker. That's what a basher is going to do for you. The Livingston will get it done. Yeah, and if you don't have either of them, yeah. we've seen a lot of startups that don't have a Basher or Livingston and they generally jump into development too quickly and don't understand, they don't have the technical ability to understand what the teams they're working with provide. Yeah, and that's a big factor there. If you don't have that Basher and Livingston, the Virgil and Turks could be your, your developers effectively, right, in the world yep. of a, just if some developers startup. are capable of delivering technology. Yeah, and if they're then led by a founder or guided down the path, they become yes people and just do everything you say. Um, and we've seen this all too often where um, a founder leads a product development where they're not technically capable, and then they're working with Virgils and Turks, and Virgils and Turks say, yes, we can do that, yes, we can do that, yes, we can do that, um, and you end up with a bit of a dog's breakfast of a, a platform that hasn't really been thought through, solution architected, it's just delivered on the back of what a founder thinks they need. So yeah. very important that you've got those roles in between. And then next I've got Saul. So Saul is the older gentleman that they're trying to find at the racetrack. He's like, I, I saw you before you even got up this morning. <laughs> Showing that he knows his stuff. I saw you at the paddock before the second race outside the men's room when I placed my bet. He is, he's got a couple different positions that I've identified in the business, but he's like your 
seasoned statesman of worth of knowledge, experience, and domain expertise in a specific area. He could either be a founder, because like that was at the average age of a startup founder is like forty five, so they're not always young. He could be a founder. He could be one of your seasoned, experienced team members that you bring on board, or he's an advisor that you brought on to help you. Even. Yeah. So they're the three ones that I've identified yeah. that he could play, just like it does in the movie. You can play multiple characters, multiple roles in your business as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's a few options there. I think a founder can be any one of these people too, by the way. Um, yeah. A founder could be a Livingston, the ideas person. Could be a, a Virgil and Turk that just want to get stuff done, got some domain knowledge. Yeah, so there's different areas across. But I think just understanding who you are as a founder is important, uh, what your role is in the business and who you need around you to support getting to the end outcome. So, yeah, you don't have to be Danny to bring it all together effectively. No, just in this crew of 11, he's the founder. Hmm. I don't have yes. anything interesting Correct, to say about yeah. uh, anything else funny or anything besides all besides that scene where he's just trying to eat the orange because he needs vitamins instead of actually taking vitamins. Eat the orange? <laughs> at the racetrack when <laughs> Rusty's talking to him. <laughs> I forgot oh, how funny the, the movie was, the one line is that happened. <laughs> Next, we've got uh, Yen. So he's the 10th member of the team. He is the Asian acrobatic. He's number 10. Yeah. Fun fact about him, they actually recruited him from the Peking Acrobatics like Circus as the actual, he never acted before. That was his first oh, movie. That's true fact, was it? Yeah, Act, uh, first acting movie. Brilliant. Um, he doesn't speak English in the movie, except for Where the Fuck You Been? Yeah. <laughs> At the end when the bomb blows up. I think they made it on purpose that he doesn't speak, there's no subtitles when he talks and Rusty's the only one that's going to understand him as like just part of his character that Rusty knows everything. But he is your specific specialized expert contractor. You bring him in to do something that your team could can't, can't do or don't have the time to learn and become. And the most elaborate vault door ever conceived by man. Any questions? No, tunneling is out. There's sensors monitoring the ground 100 yards in every direction. If a groundhog were to nest there, they'd know about it. It's like Andrew just said then, a specific AI expert. Where Basher would be, all right, and programming, he's your 10, 15 year experienced developer. But Yen is the image processing AI developer. He's focused on that niche and that's it. So he's got a wealth of knowledge Very in one niche. specific thing. Yeah. In the movie, it's fitting into boxes and jumping around because he's small. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you need something yeah. like that on your team. And you generally, you don't know you need them until you need them. I think mm -hmm. it is when it is. It's oh. like something comes up yeah, and now we need an expert. They, they can be anything like, and they don't have to be that complicated. So if AI no. expert, great. But you might have a team of developers and um, someone that's driving the idea from a technical architect perspective. But then you might need those experts that come in to do the the actual, um, maybe AWS or Azure instances and that yeah. DevOps piece because you might not need them all the time, but you just go mm -hmm. to them for a pivotal point. Or it's, yeah, you've got task, your marketing so. team and then it's your SEO expert who comes in and helps in one specific yeah. niche and has a lot of knowledge that the team doesn't want then waste time learning in, as an example. Generally, when you kind of look for those, when you look for those really niche particular roles that you're looking to, to solve a particular problem for. I think often a lot of people shy away from generally the dollar figure that can sometimes be associated with those kinds of people and those particular skills. So people might turn around and go, hey, how about we try and solve that with the existing team or maybe we'll try and get some training and we'll, we'll spend twice as long trying to solve for something, whether we, we could have just turned around and got a consultant in, wrapped it up in, in half the time. Yeah, it might cost a little bit more in the end, but what you're getting back is that opportunity cost, right? 
and some yep. of that time frame as well that might oh, save internally inside of Arion, we've um, been we've done that before <laughs> we just think you do it internally and i think twice is a good outcome if it's only twice as long sometimes it takes you <laughs> 10 times as long um, to pull things together you you really got no knowledge about so yeah bringing in some people um and, that, and I think that leans again to that whole server infrastructure side where we've got a little bit of house internally, but not enough to really get focused and poignant in certain areas. So having those people around you um, that can actually support is very important. Especially with, you know, everybody starting to lean towards big data, AI, data scientists and that type of thing is starting to become a little bit more common or needed depending on the type of app or solution that you're working through. I think it's really worthwhile spending the time and weighing up that investment. Yep. And then we come to the scene in the movie where Danny and Rusty are like, 10's enough, yeah? I think 10's enough. Saul makes 10. 10 ought to do it, don't you think? And there's just no communication from Rusty at all, and he's like, all right, we'll get another one. All right, we'll get one more. And then they move on to Linus, which is um, Matt Damon's character. It's Matt Damon. Young Matt Damon. Um, I've positioned him as the... That's the best lift I've seen you make yet. Future Danny. So you don't necessarily need him on the team. He's like your graduate or junior that comes in and wants to learn and prove themselves. So he'll be someone who turns into like a Danny in 10 years' time, 15 years' time, given enough experience. I don't know how you guys saw him, but that's how I sort of saw him. Because he doesn't have any specific skills like the others. But I think, yeah, someone that could probably jump in and do a number of things we needed, right? It was not, you need someone that can wear a few hats, and I think he could be a person that could do that within the... Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, because he does join into the highest, yeah, does character work, setting. does the observations. Yeah. At the does start, he's like, oh, so it's a simple so smash and grab. Smash and grab job, huh? Slightly more complicated than that. Yes. And then everyone laughs at him, and is like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. like, he shows his inexperience yeah. there, but he does yeah, do so a few different things. Correct, yeah. And he wants to get involved. So he wants to, I think he's in the, um, when they go and pick up the pinch, he's in the back yep. of the, the truck. And I doesn't think he listen. ends up in the building, doesn't he? From what I remember. Yeah. He doesn't listen. He jumps yeah, he out and they're waiting so for him. Yeah. yeah. So he wants to get involved. He's keen. He's interested. He's eager. Um, and yeah, those people in any business are very um, valuable because you want people that are going to want to learn and want to get involved and add value wherever they can. And in the world of startups, having a few of those on your team is very is pivotal to your success in the end because mm -hmm. you may not have a team of 11. You might have a team of six that have to fill the hat, the seats of 11, for example. Um, yep. So you want people that are happy to jump on and do different things within the context of business. And especially uh, that scene that you mentioned, Andrew, when he, they go inside to get the pinch and then Linus leaves the truck and goes to follow him in. And I think that the outcome is that, that by the time he gets upstairs, they've already rolled the pinch out to the back of the van and they're taken off, right? Yes, so correct. They, they realize that he's gone and they look back and he's, he's smashed a window and he's jumped out and he's landed on the awning. Yep. But I think that kind of plays into the, the whole thing of, you know, everybody makes mistakes mm. and how to make sure that you bounce back from that mistake and how do we solve for things once that mistake's mm. been made. So If it was any other movie, they would have gotten like rid of him then. Potentially. But what yeah. I think that learning piece around the movie is important because there was a number of areas and roadblocks where they needed to pivot. And you'll see that. And that's a whole journey of, yeah, we got an idea. But like in any business, in any startup, in any, whatever you're in, don't even have to be in startups. You're going to have to pivot at some time and be willing and open to problem solve. And I think as a group collectively, they problem solve quite well. Um, and they involved most people in the problem solving efforts. So being um, groups having a group conversation and ideating. I think that was one of the other key 
items that flowed through the movie. Saul's package arrives at 7.05. Linus grabs our codes. All goes well where it go. Um, from, yeah, what you can take out and learn if you can operate in a team setting. It's never going to be perfect. You're always going to have to pivot. There's always going to be a challenge. A fun fact about Matt Damon's role, that was originally meant to go to Mark Wahlberg, but he went on Mark to do really? Planet of the Apes. In that year. Yeah, and originally Danny Ocean was presented to Bruce Willis, not George Clooney. Yeah, when you said that off, yeah, that would have been very different. I went through a fact list. That's all I, re- all I remember. Very, yeah, it would have been a very different I'll film. I see Bruce Willis as a more that action guy because of the diehards and all that stuff, so I don't know if it would have fit the bill. Yeah. yeah, George Clooney was the first one who actually signed onto the movie, and then the others fell in place through him. So he actually almost assembled the team in real life as well, like you would as a startup person. Get that first key person on board and then bring on the rest. Classic. Yeah, so that's... one lead role in a movie setting. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's the recap of how we can sort of draw some parallels out of Ocean's Eleven into a startup business and sort of roles and team you need to succeed and be able to rip off that casino when you need to. <laughs> Love because it. Because the house always wins, right? Because the house always wins. Yeah. Yeah, when you dealt that hand, what was the saying? When you dealt that hand... Because the house always wins. Play long enough, you never change the stakes. The house takes you. Unless you find that perfect... Unless when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big and then you take the house. So unless you, you do that pivot when you need to... Yet you'll the house always wins. And I think right. that bet big in the context of business is, um, if you frame it back there, it's it's going all in in one direction, one vision, one mission, and actually, yeah, digging in on that direction. Because as a as a business, if you're going to focus in and trying to solve for some big problems, um, the more focused you can be, the better opportunity you have to solve for some real problems and really get some learnings out of it and deliver more value than if you spread yourself a little bit thin. Um, we've been involved in startups and businesses that, yes, they've got a concept and they go and try and add different product streams to what they're doing before they even get one off the ground. So, yeah, if you want to bet big, that's the context of taking the punt on the on the one direction, not just trying to squeeze in multiple things yeah. at once to try and make it's, it work. If you had 11 people working in 11 yeah. different casinos, there'd be a 12-season TV show yeah, made out of this, not failure. a successful movie with 11 people putting yeah. efforts in one place. Efforts are multiplied by 11, probably more yeah, than that because you've got to put it. the team working together. Yeah. That'll be the end of the, the movie business episode for today. So I hope those listening along got some something out of it and understand how your team or what sort of team members are missing based on the team that Danny put together in the movie. And hopefully this can help you fill in those gaps in the right spots that you need to. Thanks, Andrew and Rex. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, guys. Because the house always wins. Play long enough, you never change the stakes. The house takes you. Unless when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big and then you take the house. Been practicing this, A little bit, did I rush it? Felt like I rushed it. That was good, I liked it. Team beat things harsh.